Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Okay, Getting Along with Others, part two. Now, uh, we began, uh, you know, to just share in the beginning last time that one of the big, biggest problems in the workplace today is people not knowing how to relate and how to get along with each other. And if you, how many people do we have in here? You have your own business, so you're the CEO, you know, or you're a supervisor, you lead people, lift your hand up. Okay, well, this really resonates with you because you know that there's things that your company, that your business needs to do, uh, and there are people who are like huge boulders and obstacles that stand in the way of that. And so what we have to do, we don't just, you know, we redeem people. We don't kick them out of the way. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to know how to relate and help those people. But, you know, some people, no matter what you do, they're going to be planted like the rock of Gibraltar, and they're going to block everything that you desire to do as a supervisor, uh, as a, you know, someone leading your business, or, uh, you know, whatever kind of management that you might be in. So you got to learn how to relate and how to, you know, maneuver and, you know, try to position people. But relationships and, and the, the act of relating among the people on your staff, and it can be in the church too, the, those are huge things in the church. I am convinced that God wants to do so much more than what he's allowed to do in the church, and it's because people are in, quote, the way. Now, should I don't want to be known as a person that's in the way, do you? I want to be known as a person who cooperates, who helps the plan and purpose of God, and who moves forward. And so that's the way we should be. You know, you, you can even take in a family, uh, in a marriage relationship. And, you know, the, uh, the one of the spouses, you know, can know that the other one wants to do and wants to accomplish something, but, but they can just be so determined and heels dug in, and they're not going to let it happen. They're not going to cooperate with it if it does happen they're not the one cooperating with it. Well, you know, we can't be that way. If your spouse has a dream, has something in their heart, help them attain it. Help them get it. Don't be the one in the way. Okay? So, we've got to know how to relate because it's a big problem overall. And it seems like the further we get in uh, into time, the more that that is because there's more people that are damaged and hurt and have inability in themselves to relate. And they're dysfunctional. I've never seen so much dysfunction. And maybe you came from a dysfunctional background. Maybe you're here tonight and you know that you're dysfunctional. Well, you can change that. And that's the beauty about the Word of God. We don't have to stay the way that we are. We can change. All right. Uh, then let's skip down the page a little bit. We talked about scriptural directives and getting along. And, uh, I'm, you know, I didn't take time to expound on these. Just a few here in the beginning. Be kind to one another. It's amazing how many people, if we just be kind to one another, how much better our relation, instead of being snappy and short, uh, you know, just being kind. Taking time for people. Love one another, and it tells what love is in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind, patient, not in pride, not rude or unmannerly. We live in a time where there is no manners anymore. You know, with so many people, the crudest things, and, you know, this is the joke, this is what we laugh about. You know, the Bible says love isn't that way, and so you have to determine, are you going to go the way of the world with that, or are you going to go the way of the Word? And... um it love lets things go, 
doesn't hold on to things. I like what it says is in one translation, doesn't keep an account. You know, just like a, a person in the accounting department, they keep, keep up with facts and figures and hold on to things and have to keep things close. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's the way some people do with suffered wrongs. They keep an account. They add it up. It's like they've got a little journal and they just, well, he said that to me and it was uh, October the 10th. 1917, and he said, or 2017, and he said that, you understand what I'm saying? That's, but by, the Bible says love lets things go. It doesn't take an account of all that stuff, and it will do you good to remember that. Love forgives. Love is not bitter, um, and don't be quick-tempered, and that's all I'm going to do with that. You can look at that a little bit. And we talked about the quote, love is the medicine for the sickness of mankind. Mankind is sick, right t today, is sick. The first tip we talked about, uh, uh, tips for getting along, there's right and wrong conduct in the church itself. You know, I like talking about the church. There's a right way to act. There's a wrong way to act. The first uh, tip is as you strive to live for the Lord, learn how to accept yourself. A lot of people can't get along with anybody else and, and, um, and just the way they relate to others is because they do not love themselves. And we talked about, we're not talking about a narcissistic person that's stuck on themselves full of pride. We're talking about a healthy loving yourself the way the Bible tells you to. And, you know, uh, I've looked at things in my life before and really see, um, you know, maybe something about myself that I don't particularly, you know, and it'll make you shine that light. You know, you start, you know, getting down on yourself and that kind of thing. I think you need to make a sober estimation of where you are and what's going on in your life. Now, don't get me wrong, but you can get to the point where you put yourself down uh, and, and then when you start doing that, you'll look at everybody else in those same critical, judgmental eyes that you have on yourself. So don't be too hard on yourself. Be, be truthful with yourself. See things about yourself, but don't keep beating yourself up. Now, did you listen to that? Because it's called balance. You see what you need to work on. You know what's going on in your own life, but you don't self-hate. You see it, you know it, and you know God loves you. You know that His grace is extended to you. And because of that, you accept yourself and you accept God's ability to help you change the things that need to be changed. That's healthy. Okay, it's healthy. Okay. Um, I'm going to start here. This is kind of where I left off last time. Hebrews 9, 14. Think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Now, when you think about that, the blood of Jesus cleans you up inside and out. See, some people think that the blood of Jesus is to help clean you up inside. You know, you get forgiveness, you get eternal life and all of that, but it says the blood of Jesus cleans you up outside too. So when you know Jesus and you come to Him and make Him the Savior and Lord of your life, the th outward things that are going on in your life are going to change. You're not going to remain the same. You're not going to be a liar. You're not going to be a cheat. You're not going to be an adulteress or, you know, a person in adultery. You're not going to do things that way. Uh, and we could just go on and on. It'll help clean you up. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all perfect and we don't fall from time to time. We do. But it's a safe place if you fall and you got conviction and you desire to change. The scary place is when you start making excuses and you say, well, the grace of God is there for me. I can just continue on and He'll forgive me. Yes, He will. But presumptuous sin is not what God has for the believer. Presumptuous sins, when you get into that, you're in a dangerous area. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
Okay, uh, then let's look at this. Um, we're, t- we're still talking about loving yourself in a balanced way and forgiving and releasing and that kind of thing, but let go of a poor self-image and rejection. Let go of a poor self-image and rejection. You know, I heard the other day someone, and um, it was talking about their life, and they turned out really to be a pretty successful person, but there it was either their mother or dad, I don't know which one, but they kept telling, you're not going to do anything. You're never going to amount to anything. And I, I thought, I cannot even imagine saying that to my children or anyone else. I can't even imagine that, even if the thought came. You know, it looks like they're never going to change. You know, it looks like they're going to live. You know, even if I thought that, I could not utter those words out of my mouth toward anybody else because, you know, never give up never give up. I've had people that I have prayed for, and I just feel like, Lord, I'm the end of my rope here. I, you know, so I just thank God for sending labors across their path, you know, but God's always quick to tell me, never give up, never give up on them, because I don't give up on people, and I'll keep dealing, and I'll keep working. You keep praying. You keep bringing those people before me, so that's important. Amen. So we have to let go of a poor self-image that can come through being told things like that, like you're never going to amount to anything. Or it can just be situations that you found yourself in, uh, the way you were raised, on and on and on, uh, that could build in a poor self-image. It can be events that happened in your life. Now, I think I've told you all this before, uh, but but I think I think I need to say it again, and that is I remember Eddie and I we were uh, had gone to a conference and it was in the early days of ministry. We really didn't have anything. We didn't have anything as a church. We had sold our home. We had you know all that we had we put in to what God had called us to do, and just to get to this conference. We didn't have a lot of finances to do that in the ministry that would, you know, pay our way. So that was a really big deal for us to do that. And we got out there. We're so glad to be there and everything. And we got invited into um, going uh, to dinner. You know, it was a large group of people, and they had invited several. And I can remember... The men went with one group uh, together and one group and the women went. And I can remember being there and uh, I can remember the women not speaking to me. I, I wasn't dressed the best. I mean, I wasn't dressed horribly, you know. <laughs> I do like clothes. I have, you know, all my life. But it, it was just that kind of thing. I mean, you know, they were, you know, it was flashy jewelry and you know, a lot of things, that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. I mean, God bless you and bless you in that. But that was not where I was. That was not where Eddie and I were. So we, you know, we went to lunch with them. And I can remember sitting in that car and feeling, oh, my God, you're talking about poor self-image. That was so degrading to me. Now, number one, am I saying that those women did that on purpose? I don't think so, because I don't even think they had a clue that that was going on, you know, because I didn't know them. They didn't know me. You understand what I'm saying? We just got in that situation. Some of you maybe can relate. You've been in a situation, you know, where it was very uncomfortable. You felt very out of place. Um, And so what I had to do from that point on, I had to really fight feeling inferior because of that experience. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it too. And so what I had to do is I had to deal with that because what wanted to happen is bitterness. I wanted to turn on those people. I wanted to say some bad things about them, but I didn't do that. 
I got before the Lord and I let the Lord, that, that acceptance, you are accepted and you remember this, you are accepted in the beloved. If other people don't accept you, you are accepted in the beloved. But you see, that put me back for a little while. It really did. I had to overcome that. But now when I look back on it, as a pastor, I wouldn't want to go through that again. And I don't think that was necessarily the Lord doing that to me. But I'm going to tell you, I have learned so much about pastoring and about treating people. You know, the Bible says don't have respect to, to persons. What does that mean? One up here, one down here. You know, somebody's real successful, very uh, financially well off. Well, they're up here and the people, you know, that don't dress very well, that, uh, you know, a little bit peculiar and different, we put them down here. See, the Bible says you don't do that. See, and if you do it God's way, you do it God's way. I've had people, um, you know, even tell me, you know, like in uh, in our team ministry, you know, uh, how many of you have ever told me, you know, we don't, we don't want our peculiar people. Now, we love our peculiar people, but we don't want them at the door greeting people. Well, I can't believe you'd say that. If everybody is run off at the door, we have nobody to minister to. So you got to understand your, your peculiarities. You know, you, you have to, and we understand that too, but we never mistreat people. We'll help people get in, you know, into the area where maybe it, it fits them better. You understand? Maybe I shouldn't have said that to you. I don't think you're listening right. But it's the truth, and if you pastor, you know that. Hallelujah. All right. So you have to let go of uh, a poor self-image and rejection if you've been rejected. And see, I guess that's what I fe felt when the story I told you about. I felt rejection, and I had to allow God to do a work in me, and I had to let Him give me His eyes that I saw things for what they were and not let the devil listen to me paint a picture that was not a correct picture. I was able to step back after a little while. I was able to step back and see things the way they were, and then I was able to talk to the Lord about it, get Him to heal me, and just forgive and go on. Because see, in that case, would I go to them and ask, you know, tell them I forgave them? No, that would be a big mistake because they don't even have a clue what they did. So why would I do that and, you know, stir up something? And somebody needed to hear that. Okay, um, as I was thinking about a poor self-image, guess who popped up in my mind? And none other than Gideon. You remember Gideon uh, and God's people, you know, they were... Um, the enemy uh, was coming against them, and Gideon was hiding in a, in a place, and um, the, the enemy was coming. And God came to him one day while he was out hiding and very fearful, and God spoke to him, and he said, Hey, Gideon, you are my mighty man of valor. Now think about that. Gideon was full of fear. He was hiding out and he was doing nothing. And the image that he had of himself, he, he told God, he said, why would you use me? I, you know, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the, uh, uh, why, would, why would you even look at me? What is it in me? See, I'm so glad that God sees something in us, even though other people can't see it. I'm so thankful for that. I'm not talking about foolish thinking. I'm talking about seeing through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Gideon was able to be used and he became a mighty man of valor because God spoke his word over him and Gideon responded. And you know Gideon's 300 army, and you can read that. It's in Judges 6. You can read about that. We're not going to stop and, and do that right now. So God can do remarkable things even if people have issues in their life, and he can help us to overcome them. Okay, tip number two. Now, this is going to be a great one right here. Smile a lot. Everybody give me a big smile. 
There's just something about a smile. It's so beautiful. And, you know, try this. Try this. Just go, go to the mall, go to the grocery store, wherever you go, and as you go, just smile. And you'll say, well, people think I'm a nut. No, they'll just think you're a happy person. And they see unhappy people all day, and that'll probably make their day. Somebody smiled at me, and they didn't even know me. We need to smile a lot, you know. We can go around with, you know, we all have complex difficulties, things that we're facing that are hard to deal with. And so, you know, we can go around with a scowl, sadness, you know, deep contemplation, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we just go right by people. And we don't even know what they're dealing with. We don't even know how just to smile could make a difference in their day. But you smile at somebody and see what happens. They smile back. They smile back. Well, you said, I smiled at somebody and they didn't. Well, they're old grump. Just go on. Next person will. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Smile a lot and greet people when you pass them. Make a decision that you're not going to be like everybody in the world, but you're going to be different. You say, well, that's just so frivolous. No, it isn't. It'll change things, and it might change you. Who knows? Okay. Your spirit man has a countenance that is perceivable to others. Cain's countenance, the Bible says, his countenance fell towards his brother. Abel, you remember that? Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Cain's wasn't. And um, so he got upset over that. Think about that. He could have had a good sacrifice too. Cain could have. But the Bible says his countenance fell. In other words, you can dominate and control your countenance either way. Let me tell you a clue whether you know that you are being led by the Holy Spirit and you are allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to dictate in your life is when someone does something and you don't like it, someone says something and you don't like it, and you're able not to show it on that face of yours and not react to it. Your reactions need to be calculated. You need to think about things before you say them. When you you say things that are hurtful or harsh or unkind or a quick quip, when somebody says something to you, you can never take that back. Would they forgive you? Well, hopefully so. But why do something that you know that you're going to have to make right? It's better not to do that. Would you say amen? And so your countenance needs to be dictated to by the Holy Spirit, a walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, we're many times we're striving to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He said, you won't do that. If you walk in the Spirit, that's what you need to work on. Work on walking in the Spirit, not quelching or squelching, you know, the the works of the flesh. That's very important to understand that. Proverbs 15, 13, it says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. We need to be merry. We need to be happy. I understand that there's things that happen where, you know, 24-7, we're not, you know, going to be smiling and happy. But if you, if you determine in your life that you're going to live with enthusiasm, with passion for Jesus Christ, and you are going to treat people the way that Jesus would be pleased for you to do it, you're going to be you're going to be a happy person. 
Amen. You'll, you'll be so much better. Now listen to what Norman Vincent Peale, I love to read after him. What does he say about enthusiasm? He said, act enthusiastic and you will become enthusiastic. Well, that's just mind over matter. No, that's word over your emotions. Act enthusiastic and you will become enthusiastic. I, I tell you, I, I've been in meetings before where, you know, it's a planning time. We may need to work out problems. We may need to, you know, plan for an event or something that's coming in the future and that. And, you know, you get a room full of people and, you know, you can just really get that creative juice flowing. You under, I love meetings like that where, you know, all kinds of thoughts and ideas are just popping, popping, popping. And this one plays off of that one and that one plays off of this one, you know, whatever they're saying and thinking. And then many times what you can get in the middle of all that is somebody that wants to tell you why you can't do it and why it won't work. Now, do we need balance and do we need people speaking in? Yeah, you can do that, but we need to think about this. Sure, that's fine. But when some, yo, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. It's like over here. Because if you've got people with the Holy Spirit in them in a session like that that have been invited in, I think the creativity is limitless on something like that. I'm just, I'm just that kind of person. I just love, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to do something, let's make this the best you know, that we can do. Let, let's get some good ideas in here. Let's just go over the top. You understand? Well, just a little dab do you? <laughs> Not me, it won't. I'm sorry. A little dab won't do anything for me. We got to do it big. Hallelujah. Titus 3.3. 3. Well, we'll read Proverbs 17.22. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Many times people are living their life in this condition here, and a broken spirit dries the bones. That's the way they live, with a broken spirit, with a critical spirit, with a judgmental spirit. You know, one person can see the good in something and somebody else, all they can do is point out the faults and why you can't do it and why it won't work. That's a brokenness. And it will dry your bones. It will affect your health. I'm telling you. A merry heart does good. Laugh. Smile. It's important. Couples, married couples, dating couples, get together, do things that make you laugh. Watch something that makes you laugh. Laughing is good. Now, we, Eddie and I have had times where we have, it has been so difficult in ministry. It has been hard. And it, it's, it's like we're at a brick wall and we're hitting and we're hitting with our faith and we're doing everything we know to do. And it's like, what happens? You know, this one gets upset and that one doesn't like this and this one doesn't like that. And don't you think we don't have to deal with it? Because we do. And you just feel all that coming on you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's not ministry related, but it's, it's other things. But we would just get together and Eddie, he's usually the one, not me. He'll say something stupid <laughs> and we'll both start laughing. <laughs> and I remember going through that difficulty, and it was probably 20 minutes, and we just laughed and laughed and laughed, and we'd try to stop, and it was like belly laughing, you know what I'm saying? And it was like when, when that happened, it was like something just lifted. And you say, well, that's just so frivolous. Oh, go on, broken spirit, and let your bones drive. I, don't, I do care, but you may have to learn the hard way. But a merry heart will do you good. There's benefit in having a merry heart. Being happy, laughing, smiling, 
and all of that. Nobody likes someone who is sour all the time. You know, we, we all have difficulties and have times where we're not laughing. But don't live that way all the time. Don't live that way all the time. Titus 3.3, 3, For we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Can that be named in the church? It shouldn't be, should it? But, you know, Corinthians talks about it, and such were some of us. But we don't, we're not there anymore. Amen? So, this is supposed to be how we were, not how we are. So, if it's how we are, it's a gauge to determine that changes need to happen in our life. Somebody said, do you wake up grouchy? No, I just let him sleep. Y'all have heard that 50 times, but, I, you know, Eddie told it the last time, so I have to tell him this one about him. <laughs> so, B, don't be a grouch. You understand? Some people just live in perpetual grouchiness. I'm not going to be, I can be grouchy, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to let that grouchy side, that flesh, come out. Tip number three, take sincere interest in others and their problems. Take sincere interest in others and their problems. What is that saying? Another way of saying this is don't be absorbed with yourself. Okay? Each one of us have a life uh, some family, you know, some children are grown and maybe you're a single widow or, and then others are married and have small children. You know, everybody's at a different place, single, you know, all at a different place that, that are here. But no matter where you are, it's important um, to remember this and not be caught up with yourself, but be interested in other people and the situation that's going on. Somebody said, that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. And we've talked about it, you know, before, but have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you got really something on your heart that you just want to share, but you, you know, they're not listening to you because the minute you stop there, there's no pause. There's no you know, nod, okay, I got it, I hear you. But they just start right into what they were going to say because they've been thinking the whole time you were talking about what they were going to say. Maybe that, maybe I've been guilty of that. Maybe you've been guilty of that. But we need to take interest in others, listen to other people, that's important. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them who weep. If you have a problem uh, with doing this, you need to, to get things right with the Lord and, and, and ask Him to help you with your perspective on life and that you care about other people and you care about what's going on with them. And it's like sowing a seed. That's the only way I know to say it. It's like sowing a seed. You listen to somebody, you rejoice with somebody, you weep with someone, and then God will do something for you. It's like a seed. It really is when you do that. And don't be just concerned about yourself, but be concerned for others. I tell you, um, I must need to do some teaching on marriage, I guess. I keep bringing this up. But it's a, it's a good subject uh, to bring it up. But husbands, wives, listen to each other. Listen to what is trying, they're trying to convey. Listen to each other, what is coming forth and what the other one needs to say. Listen attentively. Pay attention. You know, you don't have all the answers. One of the things I've always learned, and I, I've learned this over the years, you know, many times people need you to hear them, but they're not looking for you to give them answers. 
Did you hear what I, well, bless God, let's get the Bible out here. And if you'll do this and that, you, that that's not what they need right there. I, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't speak the word to people, but they don't need somebody to preach a message to them in times like that. People need to be listened to. Everybody say, listen. Listen. Yeah, I need you to listen to me. God needs you to listen to me. He sent me here tonight to do this. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does that mean? Lift one another's burdens. Now, we're not burden carriers. Jesus does not expect you to take literally the care and burdens of people and take them on yourself. But when you can do that, because he does that, he's the one who lifts those burdens. But what we can do is help one another in difficulties or in times uh, where things are hard and, and, and there is a burden, there is something that's going on in their life. I've had people... It would be in ways that I, I wouldn't even think about, but they would maybe see me struggling and know my schedule is what it is, and I need to do this and need, uh, hey, I'll, I'll help you do, what can I do to help you? And you wouldn't believe how that helps. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about someone doing that, but it makes all the difference in the world. And so he said, bear or lift one another's burdens or load and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I do want you to understand, I'm not talking about what Jesus, you know, he's the one that can bear the burdens and lift it from you. I'm talking about from your heart, from your spirit, but you can help people in life. So if you see a single mom, there's no dad in the picture and there's children there. Think, I want you to think about, I, I've tried for years, you know, to try to have ministry or do something, but we just, you know, timing wise and the, the person or people to do that, it just hasn't been right. But I think about our single moms and I think about what just babysitting a child or two for even if it's an hour, just give them a chance to go get a cup of coffee and just sit down and think and clear their mind you know, whatever it is, or you may have a friend and, you know, they're going through a difficult time and you can vacuum their house or something, you know, just that's helping people carry a load in a way that maybe we don't even think about. Amen. People need someone with ears to listen. And the Bible says, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. James 1, 19, be, caref be a careful, thoughtful listener. Listen to this, slow to speak. Careful listener, slow to speak. Not one, you know, that's arming the gun, getting it ready to fire back, you know, the minute they stop. No, listening, careful to listen, and then slow to speak. Amen? Um, okay, tip number... Um, Four, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Notice what people do well and praise them or notice some good trait about them. Now, I'm going to tell you, those of you that are leaders, you might be a leader, you know, in your business, uh, you know, your occupation, um, you know, in the church or whatever. If all you do is go to somebody and point out a fault, you didn't do this right. I mean, I just had this, somebody tell me this recently. They don't never, you know, they never say good words of encouragement, but they're always, well, you didn't do this and you should have done that and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. I, I would just want to say, you are killing your leadership ability. And any semblance of being able to take people forward, you're killing. It's the same with your kids. It's the same with your spouse. If all, you never pick up your socks, you're always leaving them. Uh -huh, oh, I'm telling something here. Thank you for cleaning out the dishwasher for me. Thank you for being thoughtful about that. And see then not picking up the socks or, you know, squeezing the toothpaste from the middle. You know, that, that drives Eddie crazy when I do that. But we solved it. We've got two vanities and he's on this side, I'm on that side. 
and I'll just stand over there going. Or <laughs> just say, you nut. <laughs> you understand? But instead of pointing out everybody's flaws, point out good things about them. Now, if you're a supervisor and you're a leader, you have to speak things that are not easy to say sometimes. You can't skirt around issues when you've got issues. You, I pray first before I do anything and ask God to lead me, ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words, ask the Holy Spirit to give me a way in to talk about the situation, and then handle it, because you can't let things like that go. But there are more things to praise than there are to point out as a fault. And so let's do that, okay? And we, we're talking about getting along with others. And you say, well, I'm not a lead. It doesn't matter. Do you relate to people? Don't point out faults all the time. Talk about good things that you see in people. If you start doing that with your friends and your associates, if you start telling them, you know, I, I noticed this about you and I really appreciate that. I like that you do this. I like that you, if you start doing, you become an encourager and you are an enabler in a good way. Not enabling someone in the wrong things, but enabling them in their gifts, their talents, their abilities. And, you know, you could make someone's day by doing that. Did you know it? Amen. Okay, so notice what people do well and praise them or notice some good trait about them. Um, let me tell you this. If you, if you, as a leader, in whatever capacity that is, again, home, all the, the gamut, you know, whatever that is, if you um, see somebody fail in something as a leader, don't overly emphasize that. That's really important. Now, remember what I said, do you have to talk about it? Yeah, you got to talk about some things, but you don't overemphasize it. Now, let me tell you something I learned many years ago. Now, it's called praise, punch, praise. You sandwich what you have to say that, you know, in correction or whatever you want to call it. But I think you can correct in a, a way to where it doesn't even feel like correction almost. I really do. But you, you got to get your point across. That's for sure. But it's a sandwich, okay? Praise, punch, praise. Try it even with your kids. And that's, that's a, a, a very good principle to remember and don't, don't just punch, 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 there, I'm a tough leader. No, you're not a leader that's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's fleshly leader. All right, 1 Corinthians 11.2. Uh, I praise you because you always remember me and follow the teachings that I have handed on to you. Isn't that great? Here is Paul recognizing something about this person. I praise you or the people. I praise you because you always remember me. You don't forget me. That's him. You know, I'm, I have gratitude. I'm grateful for that. And that you follow the teachings that I've handed on to you. See, he didn't go in with a bunch of correction, even though we know in Corinthians he did quite a bit of correcting, but he didn't just do correcting and no praising. Amen. Now, um, we've been talking about this tip number four as an encourager, and I do know that some people, uh, Romans 12 talks about a motivational gift of an encourager. So some people have that motivational gift, and so then others would say, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't have to encourage. Well, I don't believe that. I believe we all have to. I do believe that God gives a special ability and gift that, that resides and, and, and people receive an anointing uh, for to be an encourager. There's some people, and probably I, I'm thinking over the years that, that we've had ministry here, I'm just thinking about there, there's been several people that I know they have that gift of encouragement. 
And so people have that, and, and, uh, and it's a great motivational gift, but not everybody has it, but that doesn't mean that you cannot be an encourager. Whatever you develop is, you know, whatever you practice is what's going to happen in your life. If you have enthusiasm, if you have joy, if you smile, if you're an encourager, you know, you're just going to be a person that's a lot easier to relate to. That's important to remember. Amen. Don't tear people down or dishearten them. Don't embarrass them. You know, if you've got to talk to someone, you don't do that. You know, I've seen, I've seen couples, men and women, you know, say things about their spouse. You know, Eddie and I pick at one another, but we're doing that through fun. You, I think everybody knows that here. But I would never get out in public and embarrass him, and he wouldn't do that to me either. So, you know, don't do that to your spouse, your children. Don't do that to your children. I've seen people do it with their, their children. Their little spirits, don't, don't do that. It wounds them. You know, if you got to correct them, you do that in private, you know. You may have to give them the look or whatever, but, you know, you don't embarrass them out in public. My dad would tell me, okay, when you get home, you've had it. Being the preacher's kid, see, there was no children's church. And we got on the very back row on purpose because we wanted to talk and pick and read or whatever we were doing. And all my dad had to do was look at me. I become the best little girl <laughs> for a little while. Be so sweet on the way home. Oh, that was so good what you said tonight. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> that was not sincere. And it didn't help a thing. When I got home, I still, okay, go get your switch or whatever. Child abuse! <laughs> he disciplined me, and he wore me out. And I tell you, that little rebellious side that I had in me, it got whipped out. <laughs> and I'm not talking, look, I'm not giving anybody a right to do wrong things with their children, but... It didn't hurt me. It made me a better person because my dad cared enough to correct me and not me, just not let me get away with everything. Amen. You know, kids today, and I'm sorry to say, I hope it's not you, but kids today can do anything and everything. And pay, uh, isn't that cute? I just say, that kid needs a good, firm hand of discipline on them. You get out in public, and they dictate the whole atmosphere. A whole restaurant, theater, whatever it is, is under that child. The Bible says that he corrects us because he loves us. Correction is a sign of love, not of hate. You don't correct, and, you know, and I'll just say this as a parent. Don't correct your children when you're mad. Because that's not the kind of discipline. You know, you got to calm yourself down. You know, got to calm yourself down. All right, moving right along. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, out of the Amplified, it says, Encourage and comfort one another. Encourage and comfort one another just as you... Uh, just as you are doing. Wait a minute, I didn't read that right. I'm going to read it again. Encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. This is a great leadership lesson right here. Encourage, comfort, and build up. See, that's what we need to do. Encourage, comfort, and build up one another, not tear one another down. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, its rightful recipients. When you can do good to somebody, do it. Don't withhold that. 
Hebrews 10, 24 in the Amplified, let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds. Think about, I, I, want, I want you to practice this this week. Okay, homework assignment's coming. Homework assignment. I want you to find someone or some people, maybe more than one, but this week, be an encourager. Encourage, comfort, and build them up. Okay? How many of you will do that? Holy Spirit, help everyone remember this and that we do this. We encourage people. So you're going to think about that. Okay, i got just a few minutes and I'm not going to get this done, but okay. Tip number five. Don't lose your temper. Now, I've talked about this before, but, you know, there's some people that I've been around throughout my life, and everybody has to tippy-toe around them. Don't set them off. Don't say this. Don't do that. You know, have you ever been around? That's a terrible, terrible place to live. So don't be that person that everybody has to tiptoe around. And, and somebody that just, you know, explodes in temper, anger, and wrath. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Hebrew, or Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry. Now listen to this, Amplified. Be angry at sin, at immorality, and injustice, or ungodly behavior. You know, you hear about righteous indignation. Okay, no wonder we get stirred up when we hear that stuff and we just can't think, well, that's okay. That's just the way things are. No, we get angry at that. Okay, but he says, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you to shame nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. In other words, when you get angry, anger is an emotion uh, and, and, and really, it, it can, in, in the way that God's talking about it, it's a healthy emotion. It helps us deal with the, the inner pent-up emotions, and, and it's like an escape valve, and we can, you know, get that off of us. But you don't get it by blowing up in, on someone, by lashing out at them with your words and your temper and all of that. You don't do it that way. I'm going to tell you, self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be people that have the fruit, all the fruit. But we especially need this self-control. To where you do not respond in like manner. If somebody is angry and they're lashing out at you, you don't lash out back. Now listen to this. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin, listen, by holding a grudge, animosity or resentment, or nurturing or nourishing and developing anger. See, nourishing and developing anger. You can give yourself to that to build that up in your life. He said, but don't do that. Or harboring resentment ill feelings, or cultivating bitterness. That word cultivating, a, a word you could say fertilizing. Fertilizing or fostering bitterness. See, there's things that you can do to feed those detrimental traits in your life, or you can feed on the Word of God and handle it the right way. See, all of us, we you know, when we're talking about getting along, we find ourselves in a situation and you can go you can go this way or you can go that way. It's up to you. You have to choose. And I tell you, the devil will send people to push your button. Everybody has a button. Everybody has a button. But I tell you, it takes longer for that button, you have to hold it in longer the more you practice the Word of God in your life. Just push it. Nope, I'm not falling for that. Hold it a little bit longer, the devil does. 
Nope, I'm grow I've grown. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give in to that. Hold it down a little bit longer. See, you just grow in that. Grow in how you relate and how you deal with issues that are in your life. Now I want to get down to, to this. Verse number 26. We're going back again. And don't sin by letting anger control you. The Holy Spirit is to control us, not anger or any such thing. Okay? Uh, deal with anger in a mature way. It's a Christian way, not as a child or a spoiled brat. That's not the way we're to deal with anger in a Christian way. Mature. You may need to leave the room, listen to this, and you need to change your word here, uh, leave the room or speak slowly. Now, this works. How do I know? Because I do it. Because I, many times, when I'm adamant, when I really feel something strongly, what happens? My voice goes up and I start talking, you know. But... If I will learn to speak slowly, yes, that is what happened, but this is what was going, this is why, you know, you bring and you speak slowly. You don't, you know, it's not like rapid fire. You understand what I'm saying? And see, we're talking about dealing with our anger the right way. So you may need to leave the room to, clear, you know, to calm down. And then when you come back, you, or if you don't, if you stay there, you speak slowly. Just speak slowly, okay? And then don't repress your anger. What does repress? That's like corking it up, you know, just putting a cork in it. And then one day, guess what? And it's everywhere. You don't repress your anger. You deal with it in the right way, in a scriptural way. Handle it according to the scriptures. Anger poisons relationships. If you find people avoiding you, look at that. If you're a person that's given to anger and wrath and rage and all of that, it's a poison. What's a poison? It's a contamination. It's like cancer. You know, we run from cancer. We don't want anything to do with cancer, contamination. And so anger will poison your relationships. Anger from past situations can carry over into new relationships. Now, I'm glad I came to here because I want to say this. You can take, um, you know, you can take, it, it can happen in, you know, different relationships. But let's just take, uh, let's just take a woman, since I'm a woman, I can speak as a woman, okay? Let's just take a woman that's been through a nasty divorce and it was very hurtful and rejection and, and all of that is there. But then, you know, uh, time goes on and, you know, this woman finds Mr. Right and they're just madly in love, you know, and all that. And they go into their relationship and, and it's great, you know, it's good. But then what happens? What happens to every marriage? We get used to one another. Um, you know, we um, have normal relational issues that, that we have to work through, right? And so that woman who went through that hurtful marriage, now it can be a man. I'm just using a woman because I am one. And then what they do is bring over into this new marriage into a man that really loves her, that's really faithful to her, that really wants to do things to treat her right. And she still, well, he cheated on me and he did this and he did that. Well, you can't bring that. You can't bring that over. Because if you do, you will destroy the relationship. It doesn't have to be just in marriage. It can be other things. It could even be in a dating relationship. You dated somebody and they were just, you know, treated you horribly or something. And so then you think, you know, all uh, the opposite sex is that way in which that's not true. Amen. So remember that. Don't raise your voice. Speak softly. Now, sometimes Eddie will tell me, he said, why are you, why are you lifting up your voice? Why are you doing, it's like, I didn't even know I was. <laughs> 
you think you'd know it, but I didn't. So he, he needs to remind me sometimes. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Well, you know what? I am totally out of time. I will just finish this up just a little bit as you go. Proverbs 15, a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath. That's out of the amplified, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. In other words, harsh, painful, and careless words antagonize and enrage people. So make sure you don't do that. Soft, gentle, thoughtful. Remember this next time there's an argument. Slow speech, low speech, and it'll help you. And you don't have to argue to make your point known. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.